0: I'm a little bit confused um about the way the it feels in here right now, but only God can know what's going on and i uh, I'm gonna be in a rare form tonight <laughs> i I feel an anointing, and I feel like I'm going to speak to somebody's heart tonight. I want you to be honest with the uplifting of hands. How many times have you sat in a service and you see somebody dancing or worshiping and you say to yourself, I wish that I could do that. How many That's half of you. The other half's not being honest. Because down in each and every one of us, there is a burning desire. It may be hidden somewhere inside of you to worship God in such a mighty way. To let go of yourself and let God have you. So, now that half of you are going to be honest, maybe when I preach, maybe the other half will, will, will uh, be honest. It's good to have my uh, future nephew here tonight, Brother Jonathan. And uh, we welcome you tonight. He is a good young man, and uh, he is a minister, and a uh, tremendous musician. And uh, I, uh, he's, a, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. And uh, he's getting ready to take Lana from from Indiana Buckeyes. Who in the world ever come up with? It's it's a little round nut on a tree. But actually, what's to be honest with you? What's a Hoosier? So, and I'm from Illinois. Brother Davis is from Illinois, and we're Illini's. So that's about as plain as anything Illini. Kind of yeah, Indians. So (laughs) savages, we're savages. But uh, he's taking her to the Buckeyeville, and and uh, well, Indiana will probably end up beating Ohio State in basketball here in the next couple months. Wouldn't that be something? Atlanta leaves, and the Final Four come, and Indiana beats them. And all right. If you have your Bibles, Acts 2, everybody loves Acts 2, right? That's that's our favorite chapter of the Bible. Acts 2, and then I'm going to go to Ephesians 5, 18. Acts 2, 14 through 21, I know it's lengthy, but I'll try to hurry. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea. And all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken as ye suppose. It's because they suppose they look drunk because they were drunk. They just wasn't drunk like they thought they were drunk. Maybe we should say, Maybe he should have said, these men are not drunken as ye supposed to be. Seeing it is only the third hour of the day, about 9 o'clock in the morning their day started. How many of you ex out? don't raise your hands, ex-alcoholics were ever drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning? I don't, I'm not looking. I don't want to see any of your young people's hands. I'll come out there and... Seen, but it's nine o'clock in the morning. If we were drunk, we'd all be alcoholics because it's just too early to be drunk. Like there's any other better time to be drunk. But this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. He went back 400 years and grabbed a prophecy and brought it back. He said, this is that. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. My brother, Micah, asked me one time, he said, you know when the last day started? The last day started on the day of Pentecost, because that's when the Spirit of the Lord came. He said, In the last days, I'll pour out my Spirit. And the day of Pentecost was the first day. He said, And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and on my servants and on my handmaidens I'll pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and the vapor of smoke and the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood There shall, there before that great and notable day of the Lord come and it shall come to pass that whosoever whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ephesians 5:18 Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the spirit. What he was saying, don't be drunk on natural wine, but it's quite all right. No, he didn't say he said but be drunk with the spirit. And tonight I want to preach to you for a little bit on this thought a need for a drunk church. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Bless you, God. I pray that you help my heart. I pray that you help me God me. You may be seated. I told you I was in rare form tonight, Brother Floyd. I'm about to bust my the seams out in this place, and you better be ready to preach with me. All y'all that raised your hands and said, "I want to be," I, I, I want to dance. I, I want to get loose. I want to set free. The problem with a lot of people is they need to be loose of themselves. Say I got too much of me in me. Say I need more of God. If I may be so bold tonight, this is what I I feel on this day. And I may hurt somebody's feelings, but I don't care because I believe that God directed me to write this down. The very last thing that we need in this day and age is another church that offers absolutely no change to a lost and dying world. That's not what we need. We don't need another church that does not offer any alternatives to the kind of lives that this world lives right now. We are in our up to our eyeballs with churches that have become cold and they become lethargic. And they become dead with no life to offer to a lost and dying world. We don't need churches in this last day that look and act like social clubs. Listen, bingo won't ever take the place of a good worship service. Fried chicken dinners, chicken dumpling dinners won't ever take the place of communion. Line dancing classes... Then we've got them in our towns. Line dancing classes in churches will never take the place of a good apostolic shouting service. Here's one thing I'm sick of. Super Bowl parties won't ever take the place of the apostolic moves of God. If we ever get to the place where we cancel church to have an apostolic uh, uh, for a Super Bowl party then God forgive us we may as well turn the lights off and not even have church anymore we don't need churches that will take time off for a game so I'm going to be real honest with you tonight I'm going to tell you like it is. I would rather just stay home and relax in my leather recliner than sit through another dried-up service that some of these people have to sit through. I would rather spend time with my family in a park than walk into a church that refuses to worship and won't lift their hands for nothing and won't dance to the music. I come to church to lift up the name of Jesus. I want to come to a church that refuses to be dead. I want to come to a church with a pastor or a preacher that steps on my toes instead of tickling my ears and telling me what I want to hear. I want a church that tells me the truth. I wouldn't go to church that never got up, uh, that that then that never had people in the altars being delivered from drugs and alcohol. I wouldn't walk through the door. I wouldn't walk across the street to go to a church to, to, to for a church that didn't preach Jesus' name, baptism, and then filling with the Holy Ghost. We don't need churches like that anymore. We... God knows we don't need any more churches that stifle the move of the Holy Ghost with the traditions of men. You've seen it everywhere you go, on every street corner. Traditions of men. The the Scripture talked about it. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After The devil don't want to hear this. That's, uh, that's just fine with me. I love ticking him off. I love The devil don't want to hear the truth. I need some more monitor up here, Brother Graves. We don't need a church that refuses to preach that Jesus is God in the flesh, that Trinity doctrine is the biggest lie. We don't need any more denominal churches. When the Bible comes right out and says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest. God was manifested. God was, God was manifested in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels. God preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world and received up in the glory. This world is in desperate need for a powerful church, not a dead church, not a weak church. We need churches that are set apart from a sin-sick, filthy world. If we're ever going to reach this world uh, that's filled with as much pain and heartache as it's in it, we need a power-packed church to overcome a world full of debauchery and sickness and disease. We need a powerful church. It's no wonder, no wonder that people only want to go to church once or twice a year. Easter, Christmas. I can't blame them. Oh, I'm going to... They're going to have to burn that CD because I'm going to make somebody mad. Some of these apostolic churches, it's like walking to a funeral home. Except there's a lot more love and hugging and, 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 and... Love going on in a funeral home. Everybody's loving. We love you. Some of these churches don't have anything going for them. It's like walking into a funeral home. And I'm telling you, I will not be a part of a church that has no excitement and has no anointing. I won't. Won't. I refuse. I refuse. There's a lot of churches that don't want people coming to our churches because they think we're charismatic. If this is charismatic, I want to be charismatic. There was a... Somebody preached... Not too far from here, somewhere in the same vicinity, maybe the same state. I'm not going to tell you where it's at. There was a preacher up in the pulpit, and he apologized for lifting up his voice because he got happy when he was preaching. It was in an apostolic church. I would not preach at a church like that. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a part of a church that offers any, no alternative to the mess of this world. A world that says, if a church don't have anything better to offer me than where I am right now, then I'll just stay where I'm at. That's why people don't want to go to church because churches don't have anything to offer them. They say the church can't help my addictions, then why am I going to go? If the church can't praise somebody that is addicted to heroin, why in the world do I want to go? Such were some of. I remember when we used to have church in Ziegler, Illinois, Brother Greg, and we had, we had to drag people out of the altars because they, they were so drunk under the power of the Holy Ghost. And 30 minutes prior, they were so hyped up on heroin and, uh, and, and uh, uh, cocaine and every kind of drugs that you could think of. And then we would take them up, Pastor Sullivan would baptize them. They would go down drunk, but they would come up a different drunk. That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. Mm. This is what I want to come and tell you tonight. That the world may be full of disease, but we know a healer. This world may be full of addictions, but we have a deliverer. This world may be full of depression but we have the joy way down in our hearts. This world may be full of rejection but we know the one that embraced us when we were at our very worst. This world may be thirsty but we know one that will give them water in which they will never thirst again. Our world may be trodden down and beaten down and hurting and and, and without any rest but we know the one that said, I am the rest wherein the weary shall rest. That's the kind of church I kind of feel a Baptist spirit coming in here. If we would convince people that we have what they need then they would want to come. But we have a problem. I'll tell you what our problem is. We knock on a door, and if they're angry looking, we don't want to talk to them. We just throw them a track and run away. But you know what I learned to do a long time ago when I laid a track on somebody's door? I didn't worry about giving them a track. I would say, are you sick? Are your kids sick? Let's pray for him right here. And Jesus would heal him. If we would give them what they need, we wouldn't have any trouble filling up this place. We got too many coward Christians wanting to run away every time someone slams a door in their face. Oh, I didn't mean to get on that. I remember, I've told this story before, but it's come to my memory. I remember as a kid, I remember I could not stand Ryan Morgan. I hated him. I hated Ryan Morgan. His dad was an alcoholic. He died as an alcoholic. His mom was a bartender. And Ryan Morgan, he slept underneath a pool table. And I'll never forget it, Brother Greg, when I would, we would drive by on the bus and he would come out that back door of a tavern. His hair would be all messed up and he didn't look too good. Just a kid coming out of a bar. And that guy used to pick on me. I'll never forget that he got sick one time, or I was sick one time I was walking down the road and him and another guy beat the fire out of me. I went home with knots on my head and blood coming out of my nose and my eyes and my my teeth. I remember when he used to kid us and laugh at us. I remember one time, Brother Greg, that our church doors were open. And I remember Ryan Morgan stepped in the back of the door. And he had a baseball bat. And he was with three or four of his buddies. And he started beating the back of the pews and making fun. And my father had to take him out. I remember him laughing at us and giving us grief. But I'll never forget as long as I live at that very church around that same pew that he came up in about 19 years old. And I remember he came in with alcohol on his breath and he staggered down to an apostolic altar and God gave him the Holy Ghost and he was baptized in Jesus' name. Let me tell you something. He said, I made fun of you all those years because I wanted what you had, and I didn't have it. The world wants what we've got. We just want them to know that they're welcome. Ryan Morgan went to Gateway Bible College in St. Louis. I'll never forget it. I never dreamed that that kid... I, re- I remember walking over him, Brother Eldar, going to Huck's convenience store. He was so drunk and slobbering around, he didn't know where he was at. And I seen him up there singing in a choir. And he met this guy named Matt Maddox. And before long, him and Matt Maddox were standing under the arch on the, on the, on the benches preaching Jesus' name. Yeah. <clears throat> world wants what we got. They just don't know it. Oh, I'm going gonna... <sighs> to... If I know something that I, I've learned about God, I'm 36 years old. One thing I've learned about God is this, that God will never take something from you that He won't first replace it. Let me tell you something, you that worry about dropping those cigarettes in the trash can. Or dropping that, pouring that alcohol down the drain. Or walking away from that internet junk that you're looking at. You don't see your way out of it, and it's a crutch, and you cannot find your way away from it. But you're so worried because you've been used to walking around with it. You can't stand up without it, and you're worried that if God takes it from you, or you pour it down the drain or pitch it in the trash, that you'll be lost without it. Let me tell you something. If you would get rid of it and you would let God have it, God will replace it with something far greater. Get rid of your depression. God will replace it with joy. Get rid of your cigarettes. God will replace it with the good apostolic move of the Holy Ghost. If you lose your job, God will give you one better. If you lose your house, God will give you a nicer one. Amen. Most of us know the story of when Jesus had journeyed afar. He, drove, he, he was going to go through Samaria and he sat down at a well, a well of Jacob built. And the Scripture says, Now Jacob's well was there, Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour of the day. There cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. And saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew askest, asketh drink of me? which I am a woman of Samaria, Samaria, and, and for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how much money you've got. It doesn't matter what status you have in life. Jesus Christ will have a relationship with you. A Samaria, person from Samaria, was nothing but re- rather dogs in the sight of the Jews. Jesus was sitting there, and she, it blew her mind. Jesus answered her and said, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me drink. If you knew how much power that I had, if you knew how much I could change your life, you would be asking me, And he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. From whence when thou hast thou that living water. He didn't even have anything to draw with. It appeared that Jesus wasn't prepared to give her what she needed. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are in your life. God is more than capable. When everything looks impossible for God to go down and get the water, He didn't have anything to draw with, but He was capable. She didn't understand that. Art thou greater, or art thou fa, or your, your, our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank there of himself and his children and his cattle and Jesus answered her and he said unto her whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again he was telling her everything you've done in your life you've never been satisfied with everything in your life has fallen to pieces you've tried everything and nothing has worked by this time he wasn't talking about the water in the well He was talking about the position she was in life. Her life was at a dead end, and she was going nowhere. But whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto the everlasting life. Jesus was saying to her, if you knew who I was, if you knew how much power I have, you would be asking me for help. What are you trying to say, Brother Hill? If the world knew what you had, listen to me, you would not have to go knocking on their door. That's the truth. He just said it. He said, if you knew who I was, lady, I wouldn't be asking you for a thing. I wouldn't be knocking at your door. You would be knocking at my door. If the world could get an understanding of what you're made of and how much power that All tired. No. I'm not even done yet preaching, and I'm not I'm not going to quit until I get what I. I... On, Come on. Come on. Come on. they only knew, they had that they had an alternative. The world don't realize that, so they hang on to everything. Yeah. I, I don't have anything to lean on. Oh, if you only. Would you go back? I I pick on this man a lot because, you know, this is compliments and not a slam to you. I don't know anything about what you went through. I don't know anything about the addictions, Brother Eldar, that you had in your life. Is this all right? Sorry, this this guy he he's all right. I don't know anything about you, but when you were there. It was a crutch, wasn't it? And you 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 couldn't see yourself without it. When you were in the world, Brother David, you couldn't see yourself without what you were were dealing with, whatever it was, addictions. Come on. Who else? And you had nowhere else to turn. And if you could ever, if you had ever understood that you could have it without any guilt. And that you could do without it. And you could have a high without having a broken home. And without having any pain. And without having any change that bound you down. And kept you from being happy. You would have shaken it off. But the problem is that the world don't see any way out. They don't have any alternatives, so they hang on to it. They don't want to admit I'm an alcoholic. They don't want to say, I'm Adam Hill. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm addicted to drugs. They don't want to say it because they want to keep it. They have no, they have no other way out. But on the day of Pentecost, a hundred and Twenty people were gathered together one place in one mind with one accord anticipating a promise from the Messiah. Something great was about to happen and they were expected, they were excited to be a part of it. They prayed so intensely for days that they weren't about to leave that place. Crutch had been ripped, it, ripped right out from underneath them. They had lost their Jesus. Many of them had seen him hanging on the cross. Where do we go from here? So they were desperate. How many of us are desperate tonight for a move of God? How many of you are desperate for an upper room experience? How many of you are desperate? They prayed. For days and all of a sudden there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it sat on the house where they were sitting and appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it set upon each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance and there were d- dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under the heaven. Now when they, it was, it was, the noise was abroad and all of a sudden there was an attraction a multitude began to come together. And they were confounded because that they heard everybody speaking in, in their, his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, aren't all these Galileans? Aren't these all Zebulans? Zebulonites? Aren't these all people from Nazareth? Nobody's uh, ridiculous, ignorant, dumb people. That's what they were saying. Somebody makes this statement. Grabs the attention of Peter. I don't think it ticked him off. I think it just, it was a good time for him to get up. Somebody said, these people are flat out slap drunk. I know what their problem is. They're drunk. Look at them. Ain't nobody that happy. And look at them. Look how ignorant they look. Yeah. Come on. Look.
1: Me right now. You. No, no. What?
0: Them. <laughs> okay. Anthony. Yes, those people are ate up in the head. Yes, look at them. Yeah. They anticipated for days. They stayed here and prayed, and they are stinking drunk. And that got the attention of Peter. And he stood up and said, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. For these men, or these people, are not drunken, as ye suppose. But it's the third hour of the day, but this is that. That was spoken by the prophet Joel, saying in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. You know what's the neat part about that scripture? When Joel said it 400 years ago, he said, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. And then Peter, 400 years later, had an understanding of what the Holy Ghost was, and he knew it was an impartation, and he knew it was a river that would never stop. So he said, he would pour out of, meaning that there was more left. And then he said, this is for you and for your children and to them that are far off, even as many as our Lord, our God. That's gotcha, shall call, and 2,000 years later, there's still a bunch of you drunk people walking around here. Hold on, hold on. Do you know what drew that crowd to that place? It wasn't because they had a nice band playing on a street corner. It wasn't because they had a bunch of pretty voices singing in a nice harmonizing choir. Let me tell you something that attracted them. They thought they were drunk. And the world, the first thing they do when they find out there's a party somewhere, they say, those people are drunk, let's go see what's going on. And they get there, and they said, they're drunk. What they were really saying is, we want to be drunk too. Whatever you're having, I'm having. Jake Krubel's paying... Let's have it. And they showed up because they thought there was a drunk party. You know what the best thing that we could do in our churches today to draw a crowd? Is get so lost in the Holy Ghost and get drunk on the new wine, on the Spirit of God, that people show up and say, What meaneth this? What does this mean? And it'll give us a chance to say, This is that that was spoken. We need to lose ourselves and get lost in the Holy Ghost. We've been full of pride too long. We care too much about ourselves. that's that's what brings that's what brings the spirit of God when we begin to let loose I, i'm tired of, of being in in myself i'm tired of what people think of me and and when we begin to let loose that's when God starts taking over i ain't, i ain't never been one to drink never have matter of fact the only alcohol and I hate even saying it like this the only thing that i've ever even put in my mouth as far as alcohol, brother, was, was when we have communion, a little drop of, of wine. And I'm not, I don't care for it. I've never, ever, I could not eat al- drink it, eat alcohol. <laughs> Probably some of y'all put, have eaten alcohol. Some of y'all lalkies. Do whatever it took to get your drunk on But I, I tell you, I, I know what it's like to be around a bunch of drunks. such was some yes, I know what it's like my family you say their name in southern illinois they go oh yeah that's that guy that sleeps on <laughs> uh, let me tell you a little bit about a drunk man it's, to me it's kind of in the spirit realm a little it's it's a it's a good thing i'm not talking I'm not just talk, i'm not talking about Drinking alcohol. I'm not giving you a license. If I ever, ever hear, I come out. The wine cooler is nothing. A drunk man, first and foremost, never gets enough, he is never satisfied with just a few sips. You can always tell them, they don't, you can always tell it around, they've got it running down them, he always wants more, the church has too many sippers and nippers, you got too many people that want to come in here and want the fumes off of what you're doing, and just the goose pumps off of his praising God. They just want to feel. I just want to get. I don't want to get drunk. I don't want nothing. To, I, I, I don't. I, I care too much about myself. I, I don't want to get lost in it. I just. Oh, oh, I'm satisfied. But a full blown drunk says, "I've got to have. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I just can't be satisfied with just a little church. I can't be just satisfied with the little dance. i got to dance. I can't be satisfied until I drink all of it. The problem with the church is they're satisfied with just a little. I don't want to be satisfied. that, that they're addicted to it. You know a drunk, when a drunk's addicted, addicted to alcohol, they'll get up at two o'clock in the morning. And they're looking for a bottle. And when they don't find the bottle, they'll do whatever it takes to get that bottle. Hallelujah. Maybe someday when we are at home and we're sleeping and we feel a little bit of presence of God come in our room, maybe we need to get up and get lost in the Holy Ghost. We need a church that's addicted, addicted. I can't quit. Somebody that's addicted, they just can't quit. They can't. You can't keep me from dancing. You can't keep me from worshiping. You're not going to stop me because I'm addicted.. If you ever get drunk enough on the spirit, you love your enemies. you ever see? Here uh, I, used to, I used to go f- to be a designated driver. Oh man, I was, I was one of those nippers. I didn't want to drink alcohol because my dad would kill me. I felt that conviction, but I still wanted to be there. I wanted to be there to party, and I'd drive him there. Oh, I remember taking my friend. I love you, man. Get away from me! You stink. You got puke all over. Get away from me. I love you, man. You're my best friend. A drunk church. Loves you regardless who you are or where you've been or what you look like. They don't care. They're too drunk to care. They'll welcome back to backsliders and they won't look down their nose because they're too drunk to even care. (laughs) Some of you, long time, some of you people used to run the bars, know what I'm talking about. You're one of them. I know you are. Hey, you stand up here. I had an uncle. I still have an uncle. He do not do what he used to do, he's an apostolic UPC preacher. He said he remembers going to the bar as soon as it opened, and two or three hours when it was closed. But he was there until they said, Last call for alcohol. And they had to fight him literally drag him and pull him out by his legs. And he would wake up three hours later with blood on his, the back of his head and his back skin because they drug him through the rocks. Some of us, we have to be home by eight. That, bad, that preacher better quit preaching because I got to get home and watch. I... Listen, true alcoholic drunkards, They want to stay until they can't stay any longer, until they lock the doors. I wonder what would happen if Brother Robertson had to kick us all out of here. Go home. Get out. Get out. You can drag me out of here, but I'm still going to love God. I love you, man. A drunk man, he don't feel any pain. I beat up drunk people. You might as well just stop. It doesn't matter. You hit them once, and they keep coming back. When you get drunk enough, nobody can hurt you. There's too many people in our churches... That your feelings get hurt every time somebody looks at you cross-eyed. Hey, I'm not done preaching yet. Is that all right? Because we're getting ready to get our drunk on in a second. He don't feel any pain. The mean things that you say about him doesn't bother him. He said, I'm still lost in this. I'm still lost in this. Too many people that walk away from the church because they get their feelings hurt. They, walk, they, they wear their feelings on the sleeve. The problem is that you need to get drunk on the Holy Ghost. <laughs> oh, I'll say three of them will clap on this. Drunk man's not choosy. If you get drunk enough, you don't care who's preaching. You don't care who's singing. You don't care if they're stepping on your toes and preaching the truth. All you care about is being in the presence of God. Quit getting your feelings hurt. Every time somebody says something that you don't like, just get lo- love God. I was careful. I'm not an idiot. I may be from Illinois, but I'm not an idiot. A drunk man, he's noisy. Whoa! What's his problem? He's obnoxious. When you're drunk, you're not yourself. You're under the influence of something else. You can't help, help yourself. You'll run, you'll shout, you'll cry and dance. Because why? Because you're intoxicated. Oh, a drunk man, he looks like a drunk. He smells like a drunk. He walks like a drunk, and He talks like a drunk. If you're saved, you ought to look like it. You ought to talk like it. You ought to walk like it. You ought to smell like one. Let me tell you something, young people. When you go to school, you better look like a drunk on the Holy Ghost. You better not be dropping four letter words on Facebook and talking and. <laughs> the Holy Ghost, it'll change your appearance. If you're saved, people will know it. If liquor will change a man's appearance, so is the Holy Ghost. I'm not what I used to look like. I don't talk what I, like I used to talk. I don't go to the same places. All I care about is being in the presence of God. Drunk man is brave. He'll take on anything. It doesn't matter how big that devil looks. It doesn't ma- Listen, it doesn't matter if you've had problems in the past with that same problem. It doesn't intimidate you. You look at it and you're so inebriated with the power of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you've lost battles in the past with that giant. You'll still fight it. Oh. How many of you are intimidated because you've been defeated in the past by devils and you walk into it and all of a sudden you you get intimidated because in the past you have fallen. In the past that was an addiction and you're you're fearful of it. But when you're drunk, lean not onto your own understanding. I'm getting ready to quit here in a second. So these people, seen these drunk, what appeared to be drunk, music can come. They appeared to be drunk. And all of a sudden, they started drawing crowds. They wanted to be a a part of it. And when they got there, they didn't expect to get what they got. Because they was used to getting the, the artificial thing. Oh, we're not going to sing anything slow. I know drunk people listen to Hank Williams, Jr., Hank William Sr. I don't want none of that beer drunk, that sad drunk. I'm not being blasphemous, I'm just likening something that the world has taken, the devil has taken, and said, I'm going to make something and try to replace it with what God has made. I'm going to try to replace a, a, a crutch with the. God's like, no. I invented the drunk. Because for everything that God has, the devil has something that is counterfeit to it. So the world came that day and said, I want to be a part of that. I want to drink that. Silver and gold have I none. I said, silver and gold have I not.'" Such as I have See we serve a God That it is a God beyond our expectation. They expected to get just bar drunk And all of a sudden Peter said oh I got something better I got a replacement for you I got something Said this is that That was spoken by the prophet Joel saying in the last days that I'll pour out my spirit. And when that happened, something began to happen. That drunk started jumping off onto everybody else. And that place was pandemonium because you can guarantee all in the streets, something began to take place, something that was far greater than themselves. And what happened the next day? 3,000 drunks staggered into the streets. And Peter, James, and John went out in a world that was used to getting just bar drunk. And they set the world on fire with apostolic anointing. Let's stand our feet. Oh, I know what you're thinking. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get out of this one. But I, want, I, I, I just want the, the ones that want to replace what they've got right now, their feeling. They want to replace their depression. I want somebody that's desperate right now to replace what they've got, a feeling, a bad feeling, with a good feeling. I want you to step out of your seat. I want you to get out of your comfort zone. Come on, don't wait for somebody else to do it. I want somebody down here that's sick and tired of dealing with the same junk and you need a replacement in your life. You're walking in the flesh right now. And you're hoping that God can take over without you knowing it. But that ain't going to happen. You've got to do something. The Bible says that we have to clap for joy. So that means you start out in the flesh. You don't get joy and then worship God. You don't get saved and then repent. You don't get saved and then die out to yourself. You've got to die out to your flesh and then God will take you over. And then He'll make you anew. So we're going to sing. And we're going to start praising God. I don't know about you all. If you want to get involved in this thing or not. But somebody down here is getting ready to get healed. Somebody down here is getting ready to get their drunk on. And you can join them. Let's sing. Hallelujah. You are good all the time. Come on. All the time. You are good. I want you to raise your hand. You are good all the time. All the time. You are good. You are good.